welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Again, we need to, uh, we, we need to remember that church isn't a time to come in and, and uh, sing a few songs and, and, and listen to a message and, and whatnot. We need to remember that church is an opportunity to come together as a family and, and, and pray for brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we're going to be going through 1 John, and you'll see over and over and over this theme about brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I invite, invite the Pinas. We got to stand up right here. Come on up here, guys, and stand up. If, if you feel comfortable today, um, and I know some of you came to do this, would you just come and surround them with prayer? And I'm going to um, tell you as you're coming forward why, why we're doing this. Um, as you know, Richard has been going through some um, struggles with cancer for years and years and years. And... Uh, and, and, and sometimes it progressively gets worse. But I want to share a testimony real quick with you. And even as you're coming up, I want you to hear this testimony. Um, when he went into the doctor, oh, I don't know, a day or two ago, Jen was sharing that the doctor said, how are you walking right now? Like, are you still working? And he said, yeah, I'm still working. He goes, I, I don't even understand how you're walking. He goes, you truly are a miracle right now that you're even walking. And no matter what the things the doctor shared after that didn't matter because in that moment the doctor just said, I'm seeing a walking miracle right now. And so the next two weeks are going to be crucial for him. And so today as a church, we just want to press in and believe that this wholeness is for Richard and this wholeness is for the Pena family. Amen? But for you guys out there, I'm going to ask you to do me another favor. If you right now need a healing touch from the Lord, I'm going to ask you to stand because we're praying right now specifically kind of over the Pena family, but I know there's others. If you need a healing, would you just stand up? Would you just be brave and stand up right now if you know that you need a healing touch of God? Amen. Amen. Now, here's the responsibility that you all have. Will you now go and lay hands on them? Those that you are around right now, will you lay hands on them? I know it could be out of your comfort zone, but we're really not about comfort zones. Amen. This, this is the church. Look around. This is what the church does. Look at this. The church isn't about a pastor on a stage. The church is about coming around people who need a healing touch of God. Now let's dig in for prayer. You don't have to know what it is they're going through. You just have to know they stood because they believe in a whole and healing God. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, the greatest thing that could ever happen in this moment is not somebody holding a mic and preaching a word, but for the God of the universe to step down in glory and do what you've already said that you want to do, and that is bring whole wholeness and healing to every life, to every body in this place. And so, Jesus, we are declaring right now what your word has already said, that by your stripes, by your wounds, we have been made whole. And so, God, I know that there are some in this room that stood because they've got cancer in their body. And I think of Dwayne and I think of Richard, and we are saying in the name of Jesus, this cancer is being eradicated right now. That it is as in heaven as it is on earth, Father. And we know that in heaven there is no sickness, there is no cancer, and so we are praying that into their bodies right now. And there are men and women that have stood up today, God, because right now emotionally and spiritually, Father, they are struggling inside. And we are saying in the name of Jesus, you are healing and mending every emotional wound and spiritual wound in their hearts. And we're saying that today, God, the greatest thing we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to leave these doors with a testimony about how our God heals, how our God restores. We're going to tell the world about what you're going to do. This is your time, God, where you're going to show up and show off in this place. 
And we get to proclaim that it wasn't in worship, that it wasn't just in a message, but it was in a healing touch in somebody's life that God revealed himself afresh and anew. So God, for Richard and for Dwayne and for every life that's standing in this room, we say in the name of Jesus, no more cancer, no more emotional and spiritual struggles. Be healed in the name of Jesus. May these bodies that are standing today be in alignment with your word, Father. And God, may everybody who's standing right now, and it's totally out of their comfort zone for some, that's laying hands on them, may they be filled with the joy of the Lord, knowing God, knowing God, that they feel your presence in this moment. So come, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. And there is a miracle happening today. Somebody say miracle. Somebody say miracle. Somebody say miracle. Now let's thank God. Let's give him a hand today for what he's doing. Amen. I invite you to go back to your seats. And as you do, I want you to know that not one ounce of glory goes to anybody but Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, Richard is healed because Jesus gets the glory, and Dwayne is healed because Jesus gets the glory, and if you stood in this place today, you're healed because Jesus gets the glory. And so we just want to declare that over this place today. Um, man, I want to, oh, we got so much to do. Tara, will you come, can we, can you come here a minute? I told you, I want to share some testimonies of healings. I want to share, we, our kids just got back from kids camp. I think 41 of them went. And I just asked Tara to come and share a couple of, of just cool things that happened at camp. Man, camp this year was unbelievable. We had, uh, we had 42 total campers that were there for 53 hours. And it was the most impactful 53 hours of our lives. It was unbelievable. Um, we stopped counting one night. We had over 18 de decisions for the Lord, um, which was unbelievable. Um, one student said that worship changed his life. Um, one camper said he learned how God talks to us. In every moment that a camper would come and a light bulb would go on, I mean, we had tears in our eyes the entire weekend. It was unbelievable. Many woke up to the wonder of the Bible. They were staying late around the campfire at night because they were digging into the Word. They were so excited that the Word was coming alive to them for the first time, which was awesome. Um, we had nine campers, at least nine campers, who've experienced significant loss or a life change this year, and they finally had a place to unpack it. Um, part of our lessons was to um, teach kids how to tell their story. We told them that everyone's a storyteller and that all of them had a story. And so at first it was who they were. We taught them who they were in Christ and then helped them reveal an obstacle that they've had to overcome and how God helped them overcome that obstacle. If you guys look at the Reliance Kids page, some of the kids' videos are on there. Um, one of our students had come with a fear of swimming and a couple of the counselors um, helped him. He started off with baby steps, just getting his feet wet. And by the end, he was jumping into the deep end, which was really cool to watch. So um, thank you guys for your prayer covering. Lives were truly changed. We know families were changed and nations were changed for the kingdom this weekend. So thank you. So I told you today is all about testimonies. So we, we've got testimonies of healings that are taking place.
We've got testimonies of what's happening in the next generation with our kids' ministry and just how God is stirring the hearts of these third, fourth, fifth graders that went off to camp. And now we want to give a missions report of what God is doing across the nations right now. Some of you guys know that Dave and Sarah Harder had, uh, are a part of a group in Southeast Asia, and that's kind of their mission and, and where God had placed them and put them. And, and uh, the Lord is doing work all over the globe. I don't know if you know that, but it's not just here in Kansas. Amen. Um, all over the globe right now, God is moving. I just read a report where the fastest growing church um, in the world right now is in Iran. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So the place where it's like most resisted is exploding with Jesus. And so I, uh, Dave is, is here today and his wife, Sarah, Sarah, wave at everybody. If you see them after church, make sure you say hi to them. But um, Dave, come to share a report with us today. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. So good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, my lovely wife, Sarah, is here and our son, Wesley, is almost two and he's over in the nursery. So we serve with Reach Global. Our mission is multiplying transformational churches among all peoples, and we do that by coming alongside local indigenous church planners and empowering them, uh, resourcing them to make disciples of Jesus where they're at. And we've, we work among some of the most unreached peoples in the world, uh, in Southeast Asia, and we are seeing just amazing things happen. God is really moving in some incredible ways um, this, this last year or two, we got to work in India, and Myanmar, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, um, that, that whole region. And in some of the most restricted nations, the church is growing, and God's word is going forth. So we're, we're excited to be a part of that. Um, our family lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand the last almost year and a half, and uh, over the last several months, God's made a way for us to be able to continue doing what we're doing, but be based back here in Wichita. So a few months ago, we relocated back here, and we're excited to get to plug in more with the local church in the area and be a part of what God is doing here in Wichita as well as in Asia and around the world. So we thank you guys so much for your prayers and support. That's really what fuels uh, all of what God is doing. And we, we would love to chat with you after service. We'll be back out there, and we'll have our little boy Wesley with us. We'd love to meet you and talk. We have little prayer cards that you can pick up, and if you'd like to receive email updates, we have an email sign-up sheet as well. So Amen. thank you guys so much. And sir, will you stand? We're just going to pray over both of you from, from right here um, if we can. And, and I want you to hear something. Even though you've never maybe been, yeah, come on up here. Even though you've never been to Southeast Asia, um, you have been because we, we can give towards them. And so even if you're not physically there, you're there. Amen? So somebody ever asked you if you travel the globe, you can say, yes, I have, all right? Um, because you're a part of what's happening um, in, in their mission, in their ministry, and what God's doing over there in Southeast Asia. And so we just want to pray over them. If you would just extend a hand out, let's pray over them and, and what God has for them as they go forward. Father, we are so grateful for those that you call into the mission field. And we know, God, it's never an easy task or an easy journey. And that's why it's truly a calling. It's not a job, it's a calling, Father, that you speak to their hearts, Father, and you've said, um, I'm calling you to go where I want you to go and to do what I want you to do. 
And Father, we just pray over the harders right now. We're saying, Father, that um, you're gonna bless every step that they take, even as they're home, Jesus, right now, just soaking in friends and family, and God, just being loved on. We thank you, God, that um, in this moment, Jesus, you are um, doing a work, not only in their hearts, but in their hearts that they're gonna be able to take, God, in the weeks and the months that they're able to travel and go, God, across the, this, this, this world, especially over in Southeast Asia. Lord, we ask that you would continue to open doors, that you would continue to open ministry opportunities, opportunities, Father, for them to go and just see you move, God, and capture that for the, for the church to see that our God is still moving. Lord, I pray that um, in every place that they go that you would give them divine opportunities, um, Father, where they, they can not just capture what you're doing, but they can speak life into people, God, that need to hear the hope of Jesus. And Lord, would you protect them every step of the way, every time they get on an airplane, God, every time they step foot in another place, in another country, God, we ask that you would protect every footstep that they take, Lord, and that they would know that they do not go alone, but they've got an army behind them. We love you, Father. We praise you for who you are and what you're doing. Thank you for Dave. Thank you for Sarah. Thank you for Wesley. Thank you for their family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more hand. Thank you, guys. So again, catch them after church, hear about their story and, and what God's doing, and, and we'll go from there. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. I know we've been doing a lot of praying, so Father God, bless this offering. May it go to your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name. All God's people said? How many love you some Jesus today? Yeah? Man, I love when, when church is just absolutely packed, and then, and then my time gets shorter and shorter and shorter, and I have to really talk fast, all right? I love this part of it. Um, if you're a visitor today, it's good to have you um, at, here at Reliance. We call ourselves a family, so um, if you're here today, you're a part of our family. We don't call you a visitor, you're family in this moment. Whether you ever come back again or not, you're part of our family. So thank you guys for coming in. Um, we're starting a, a summer series where we are going to walk through the book of First and Second John. First and second John, and we're just gonna kind of go section by section. And, and so if you're kind of an overachiever and you wanna read ahead and make that your devotion through the summer where you're studying through first and second John, that's what we're gonna go through each and every Sunday over the next couple months. And part of that is, is because we wanna get deeply rooted. Everybody say rooted. We wanna get deeply rooted in our identity, in, in, in what God calls us in this identity of love. Because what you'll see in the book of John is all about this identity of love. And so we wanna get deeply rooted in that. And so today, um, we're gonna talk about this identity of encountering the person of Jesus. What does it look like to encounter the person of Jesus? Have any of you guys ever had an encounter with a famous person? Any, anybody out there? Go ahead, you can raise your hand. You're not, like, you're not boasting or anything, okay? There's not a lot of hands, right, going up. I want to, you know, and I've shared this before a few years back, like the most famous person that I've ever met was Garth Brooks. Do you guys remember that? And you're like, Garth Brooks? And I don't get out much, all right? Um, but I remember, if you remember the story I told you, we got invited by Travis and, and Annette Kalsik, and Travis's uncle was on tour with Garth Brooks, kind of as one of his like, lead stage guys. Well, he didn't tell us all that stuff. So Travis was like, hey, we got tickets to go see Garth Brooks. I know you like country music. You want to go? And I was like, absolutely. And I told you, it was real shady. You guys remember, we pulled to the back of Interest Bank, and, and he said, I don't know. My uncle said just to kind of wait over here by the garbage cans. You guys remember that? And I'm like, Travis, are we sneaking in right now? I felt like we were about to climb the fence. My wife's in a dress. I'm like, don't worry, baby, I got you, right? 
And, and so we're like sitting by the trash cans. He's like, yeah, he told me he'll meet me here. I'm like, this sounds really shady right now. I feel like we're in a shady deal. And so, um, the, the, you know, the back gates open and we kind of go through the back way by the trash cans to this back door. And I'm like, I, I feel like we're breaking the law and I feel good right now. I didn't feel good. I'm just kidding. Erase that part, all right? I'm like, I feel really good right now. So we go through the back, and, and Travis's uh, uncle's there, and he goes, yeah, my uncle, actually, he's one of the stagehands for, for Garth. And I was like, that's cool. Okay, now it's all making sense. And so he told us just to wait in this room. What I didn't realize is that um, his uncle was going to get Garth so that we would meet him, right? So Garth Brooks comes in. I had no idea. He had a ball cap on, no idea who he was. I call everybody brother. I'm like, hey, brother, good to meet you, right? And uh, all of a sudden, he's like, it's good to meet you. I'm Garth. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just peed my pants a little, right? And in that moment, man, that, he was like the most famous guy I'd ever encountered. And so we're having a conversation. It's just so laid back. And anyways, I've told you that story before, but he's, the most, he's like the most famous person I've ever encountered in my life. And, and I'll never forget that moment. It was awesome. It was just an awesome moment. And I'm thinking about when we start reading through 1 John, what you're going to see is that John talks about encountering Jesus Christ. And the way that he talks about encountering Jesus Christ is that from this encounter with Jesus, from walking and seeing and moving with Jesus and going where Jesus went, his life was never the same again. And so today, um, my encouragement when we walk out of this place for you is that by the time you walk out of this place, I, I hope that you're so energized and so juiced in your heart to encounter the person of Jesus. Not to hear about not to sit there and say, yeah, I've heard about Jesus, I know about Jesus. I'm talking about a true, real encounter with Jesus Christ. So if you guys have your Bible, 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, we're going to go through 1 through 4 today. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4. And John says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen we saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. Somebody say, seen him. Over and over and over. He goes, we saw him, we touched him, we've seen him. And now he says, and now we testify and we proclaim. We testify and we proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. And so the way that I kind of read that is when John first started walking with Jesus and he saw the things that Jesus could do, there was probably something in his heart that stirred and was like, this cat is different than most guys that I've been with. This guy is different. There's something different about this guy. But by the end of his life, remember, John is old in his old age right now, and he's written this book. And by the end of his life, John is saying, I am telling you, I can testify with complete assurance. I can proclaim with complete assurance that he is, that he is. Not I think he is, not I hope he is, that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you, we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Again, it's all about this visual and hearing and touching and tasting that the Lord is good. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things that you may fully share our joy. Amen? 
there's a foundational thing that John says over and over and over, and it's this identity that he, he's not just saying that I've heard about Jesus. He's saying, I physically walked with him. I've physically seen him. I've physically touched Jesus. And he's saying, so everything that I'm about to tell you is what I've seen, what I've encountered with this person, Jesus Christ. And so this foundational thing that I love is that he uses those words, testify and proclaim. When we testify and proclaim something, what we're saying is I've experienced it and I'm gonna tell you about it. We live in a world where we testify and proclaim all of the time. You just may not know you're doing it. In other words, we live on social media. We live on things like Facebook and Instagram. If you want to know somebody's recommendation for something, you put it out there on Facebook. Hey, does anybody know? Has anybody been to a good restaurant? Has anybody had a good vacation? And then, you know, a thousand people reply back about their favorite vacation dates, right? Or their favorite restaurants that they've gone to. Why? Because they've testified. They've been there. And now they're proclaiming to you that where they went to was a good place, right? So we do this by default in our day and age. We testify and proclaim. It's a part of our life. And most of the time when we testify and we're proclaiming, what we're saying is not only have I been there, not only was it an amazing vacation, but we're proclaiming it because what we're saying is you should go there too. You should go there. You should eat there. It's not just a good restaurant. I'm telling you, I was there. I ate it. It was fantastic. But we're proclaiming it because we're saying something should stir in your hearts to where you should go as well. Amen, church? This is what John is doing. He's saying not only have I seen Jesus and and heard Jesus and, and, and touched Jesus and walked with Jesus, he's saying I'm proclaiming it to you because you can have the same encounter. You can have the same thing. And so John is trying to bring us to his experience. Now he's saying the most important thing in life isn't a vacation date or a vacation destination. The most important thing in life isn't your favorite restaurant. The most important thing in life is this life of Jesus, the man Jesus, the son of God, stepped off of his throne that you and I could know life. And John is testifying, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? you know this guy and he's saying I can share with you I can be passionate I can tell you in intimacy the depths of my heart what I saw him do what he breathed on me to go and do Jesus breathed on his disciples and he sent them out and says they healed the sick and they cast out demons and they made people that they encountered well again he's saying I had that that happened to me And the thing about his testimony is nobody can take that away from him. Amen? You and I, people can deny Jesus all day long. People say, I don't believe in Jesus. I've never seen Jesus. But they cannot take away your testimony. They cannot take away the experience that you've had with Jesus Christ. And so he says, I've seen him and I've touched him and I've experienced and I've talked with him. And it's easy to go, well, man, it would be easier if we had that same experience. Like, what if, if Jesus were to rip open the church right now and come down and, and we could see him with our eyes right now? Some of you are going, boy, it'd be so much easier to believe. And so God even tells us in his word, he sets that up. In John chapter 20, verse 29, when, when we read about Thomas, said the same thing. Thomas, who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus, who saw Jesus, who experienced Jesus. And they all said, Jesus is risen from the dead. And Thomas, he just, you know, doubting Thomas. In his mind, he just can't wrap his mind around that. And he says, unless I see him and I touch the nail scars in his hands, I will not believe. 
And so John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus speaks to our hearts. If that's you in this room today, and you're saying, I want to believe, I just don't know. I don't know if I could ever encounter this man. John, or Jesus speaks to that in John chapter 20, 29, when he says, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. He speaks to that heart in here who says, I've got to see. He speaks to the heart in here who says, I have to see him. Physically, I have to see him. And when I say that you and I can encounter Jesus in the same way that John can encounter Jesus, what I'm saying is Jesus can be as close to you and I as he was to John. Amen? Where you know it in your heart. You see him all around you. The word talks about our senses over and over in scripture. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you feel his touch? Do you feel his presence? Not just have you heard about him. Have you encountered this man, Jesus Christ? And there's something to this. I hope that you get out of this testimony of John today where you can say, yes, I believe. I believe. Because verse 1, for John, he's going, this is more than just a religious theory that I have in my mind. I don't just have this religious theory about God in my mind. He's saying, this is more than just good morality in my heart. I'm a good moral person. He's saying it's more than just having good morality in your heart. It's more than something that just was taught to me a long time ago. I have a true, genuine relationship with Jesus. Now let me give you a little bit of background on John testifying to what he knows and I just want to kind of spend our time building up kind of why John wrote this and and, and how we started off with this um, and this is important to talk about John's life and I'll tell you why because out of the 12 disciples John is the only one who did not get killed or martyred so all the other ones they were filleted alive shot with arrows um, crucified upside down um, beheaded so you see all of these disciples that were following jesus and all of them were martyred for god's kingdom and yet john was allowed to live into his old ripe age of maybe a hundred years old and then he passed away like if i was going to open up to you guys and i was going to share with you guys you know why i'm up here and why i'm equipped to to share with you i would begin to tell you a little bit about my life if you say why are you a pastor aaron i would share with you a little bit about my backstory i would tell you how i ran from the lord how my dad was a pastor i didn't want anything to do you know with with ministry i, I ran from and i tried to live my own life and then god always has a way about getting his way amen God always has a way about getting his way. And so I could tell you about how I encountered the Lord, and the more that I pushed away from God, the more he pushed towards me. And I would open up, and I would tell you, that's why I'm up here today. And so John is in the same way in the book of 1 John. He's like, look, when, when, when I talk to you about Jesus, I'm not going to talk about my apostleship. I'm not going to talk to you about the miracles that I did. He's like, I'm not going to talk to you about my status, but I'm going to talk to you about the person that I'm after the person that I have a love for, the person that I know his voice because I've heard his voice. John was one of the people who knew Jesus best. The the Bible says that he was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was a part of that inner circle. Jesus had his 12 disciples, and then he had three, James, John, and Peter, that were part of this inner circle. And so John was kind of in that inner group he was with Jesus at critical moments when other, when other disciples weren't. He was with Jesus in the garden when Jesus was on his knees and he was praying. And he was praying so intently that his sweat was like sweat drops of blood coming out. 
He was with Jesus when, when he was at the, the Mount of Transfiguration, when he saw Jesus appear in his, his glory and his face shone. He was with him even at the end of Jesus' life when John was looking up at the cross and Jesus is up there on the cross and Jesus looks down. It was John that Jesus looked at and Jesus' mother Mary was standing beside him and it was John that Jesus said, now you take her as your mother and you take him as your son and you take care of her. Talk about pressure, amen? How would you like to be the one that Jesus said, take care of my mom? It was John that Jesus picked to do that. In fact, as I said, John was the only disciple that was not killed from martyrdom but died in his old age. If you remember when Jesus was telling Peter how he would be martyred and he was telling Peter that he would be crucified and Peter looks over to John because he knows that Jesus loves John too. He looks over and he says, well, what about that guy? What about John? And then Jesus gives him that word. What is it to you if I want him to remain alive? And I'm always picturing Peter's mind of going, really? I have to die, but he gets to live? You guys know what I'm saying? Like, I like just the real things in scripture. Like, my kids do that. Like, if I'm getting punished, are they getting punished? Right, kind of a thing. So John was a big deal. He's the only person um, that is mentioned just a little bit less than Peter in the New Testament. And so John was a pillar of the faith. All of that is the good side of John. The way he was in with Jesus, all those things. But let me just tell you, that's not how John started. There's an old adage that it's not just about how you start, but it's about how you what? Does everybody finish? Everybody say finish. It's not about how you start, but it's how you finish. And so let me give you a quick glimpse into John's life before all of this. The Bible tells us that John and his brother James had quite the personality. It says they were both nicknamed the Sons of Thunder which would be the greatest WWF tag team, amen? Sons of, of Thunder, it sounds like a motorcycle gang in my, in my opinion, but, but it was actually, they were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder because they had a temper. In Luke chapter nine, you read about where they wanted Jesus to call fire down from heaven and kill everybody in this city. They were Samaritans, and they said these Samaritans are godless, and they were angry, and they said, God, just send down fire and consume them all. And in that moment, Jesus rebuked them. So they, John had this anger that dwelled inside of him. On another side, another occasion, you have James and John, they were walking with Jesus, and they asked Jesus, they said, hey, Jesus, when you come into your rulership, will you allow me to sit on the right and, and my brother to sit on the left? They had this selfish ambition in them. They're like, we know that there's all these other disciples, but you kind of like us better, right? And so there was this ambition in their heart to say, not only did we have anger issues, we've got a little bit of this selfish ambition inside of us. And so what you see with John is you see this guy that had anger and some pride and some selfish ambition and he lacked love, yet despite all of that, the more time that he spent with the man Jesus... The more time that he spent with the man Jesus, everything would change in his life. The more time that he spent walking with Jesus, he would be nicknamed the Apostle of Love. So he goes from the name Sons of Thunder to the name the Apostle of Love. That happens one way. You get changed one way. You meet the man Jesus. I've met people in my life that were like this. I've met people in my life, man, big guys, burly guys, guys who had nothing to do with religion, guys who had wanted nothing to do. When you would say, man, I'm in a love affair with Jesus Christ, they would break you in half, right? And I've met these guys encounter the man Jesus. 
tattooed up, six foot four, 250 pounds. They ball like babies, right? You begin to ask them about their relationship with Christ and they just begin to ball like babies. Why? Because when you encounter the man Jesus, he changes everything. He changes everything. Walking with Jesus changed John. You'll see in scripture five times that John is referred to as Jesus' best friend. Or you'll hear it said like this all through the word, the one whom Jesus loved. In fact, it'll say things like, um, uh, and Peter was there, and James was there, and the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> I always think like, how would you feel in that moment right there if you were the other guys? Like, this is my son Billy, and this is my daughter Mary, and this is the child that I love, right? I, I, I'm just trying to resonate. I mean, there was, such, there was such an intention in John's heart for this intimacy that he had for Jesus, this love affair that he had for Jesus. John saw the life of Jesus firsthand. He saw Jesus meet with the broken. He saw Jesus encounter people. He saw Jesus take somebody's life that was shattered, and he saw Jesus give hope and give love in that person's life. This was all from his encounter with Jesus. And over and over and over, John says in 1 John, you are the children of God. Jesus loves you, and you are called to love one another. I'm just setting up this foundation. This is what 1 John is all about, how we love one another. And I think what it is is that out of all the things that John caught about the teachings of Jesus, John loved that Jesus had authority. There was a time where he wanted Jesus to use that to call fire down. Like we said, John loved that Jesus was in charge. John loved those things. But there was something that locked into John's heart, and I have to believe that it came from John 13, 34, when he heard Jesus say, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 40 times, church, 40 times in 1 John, he speaks about love, and he talks about being brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is a big deal to him. And he goes on, and he says in verse 3, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. The second thing that John comes into combat, he sets up that he can testify and proclaim, and then he sets up something else. And what he sets up is simply this. He sets up that he wants to set the record straight. The things in church that, that, that the first church started to experience was that there was false teachings coming in. Remember, he was speaking to a Jewish audience, and the Jews had always built their relationship with God, built on works, what they did, if I just live right, if I'm just good enough, if I just try hard, if I just, if I just, if I just, if I just. They took Jesus, and as we said in here a thousand times, they added to Jesus. And so these false teachings were coming in, and John was coming in to say, look, the reason that I'm writing to you the reason that I'm writing to you is so that you'll have fellowship with us. And this is our fellowship. Our fellowship is about the man, Jesus Christ, and his Father God. That's our fellowship. Not if you're good enough. Not if you try hard enough. Not if you follow all the Ten Commandments. Not if you get all the rules straight. That's not what our fellowship is about. Our fellowship is about intimacy with the Father and Jesus Christ. Amen, church. 
and everything else will flow from that. And so he's combating this thing that's coming into the early church. You could call it fads. Can I just say today, stop following the fads of the church, amen? Stop following the newest things that always come out and the new fads that come out. And if it does not line up with the word of God, it is not the word of God, amen? We don't have to follow the fads to be cool with God. We just simply need to have a love affair and encounter the person of Jesus. So John is writing these things, and what he's saying is simply this. It's not built on being nice. It's not built on good morals. It's built on the person of Jesus. This is our foundation. And he just finishes with this real quickly. He says in verse 4, we write these things that you may fully share our joy. I like what the NIV says. We write this to make our joy complete. It would be easy to say, whoa, John, what do you mean? You mean it, it's gonna make my joy complete? And he goes, no, 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 I'm writing these things because it makes my joy complete. Here's why. It's, it's because to John, when you and I grow in this mature relationship with Christ, when you and I are walking in intimacy with Jesus, this is his greatest joy. This is what completes his joy. When you and I know the one Jesus Christ, it fills him with joy. Not that we can tell you a story about Jesus, or we can tell you a spiritual discipline about Jesus, but when you and I can say that Jesus is my friend and my father and the one who loves me, it makes John's joy complete. You can look at it like this. It brings me joy when I get to tell people about something that I love, amen? If I get a set in front of you and I get to tell you all about, I don't know, hunting, all right? I love to hunt, right? So if I get a set here and I get to tell you all about hunting, whether or not you like it or not, I have joy when I get to tell you about hunting, amen? And, and this is how I feel when Ryan and Matt and Jacob, they sit down and they tell about, all, all about their instruments. I care less about instruments, by the way. Like, oh, I just got this new Fender guitar and all this stuff. I'm like, this is lame. But you can see their joy. You can see their joy as they come up. That was not your cue. You can see their joy rising up within them because they're passionate about what it is that they're speaking about. So this is more than just being committed to just religion or religious experiences or even morality. It's more than just saying, I'm a moral person, I'm a good person. It's being in love. It's encountering the person of Jesus Christ. I know Jacob Hall says this all the time and I'm just gonna say it, I love it. Jacob says this all the time. He'll come in and, or he'll be teaching a message and he says this all the time. He says, I'm in love with the man with fire in his eyes. Because that's how Revelation describes it. Look, Jacob loves his wife, all right? Jacob loves his wife, but what he's saying is, I've encountered Jesus, and I'm in love with the man with fire in his eyes. Revelation says that when Jesus comes back, he's going to have fire in his eyes. You've heard this scripture before, but in 2 Samuel 6, one of the greatest kind of imageries that I get of this in scripture is when David is testifying and proclaiming his relationship with God in 2 Samuel 6 the Ark of the Covenant is coming back into Israel and as the Ark of the Covenant comes back into Israel King David king over all these people king stature and status and King David and all of his accomplishments and mighty warrior and, and respected by all these men and you know all he's a he's a public guy and a public figure rips his robe off 
runs out into the street, begins to dance before the Ark of the Covenant, which carried the presence of God in the Old Testament. And you know the story. His wife is looking down from the window, and she's disgusted. She's like, why are you doing this? You look like a fool. You're being a fool. She's seeing with her own eyes. What are you doing? You're the king. Act like it. You're popular. Act like it. You've disrobed. What are you doing? You're humiliating yourself. David comes back up and he encounters her and she says, how you, un how you were so undignified before everybody. And you know the story because we sing the song that David Crowder wrote. He says, I would become even more undignified than this if I could. What he's saying is nothing's going to stop me from encountering the man with fire in his eyes. Nothing. This is what I'm after. This is my life's pursuit. This is what I make a big deal about. In my own life, my father taught me this. He's the greatest example of this. I could come to my dad in life and I could say to my dad, Dad, I got a promotion. He would say, good job, son. I'd say, Dad, I just hit a home run. He'd say, good job, son. But if I came to my father and I said, Dad, man, I was in my devotion time and I don't know why, but God just got a hold of my life. I got to tell you about it. He would explode with joy and he would say, tell me about it. I want to know about it. Tell me about this. Tell me about how you encountered Jesus. Tell me what that looks like to you, Aaron. I'm 40 years old and every day of my life, my father asks me the same question every time that I see him. How are you doing in Jesus? And he doesn't want a good or bad answer. He wants me to be real in my heart with him. He wants to know, have I encountered the man with fire in his eyes? So here's my challenge to you, because we're gonna be in First and Second John for the next two months. Are you in love with a person? Or are you in love with an idea? Listen to me, church. Are you in love with a person? Are you in love with Jesus, the person, the man stepped down off of his star? Are you in love with the Savior, the God of the universe? Or are you just in love with the idea of God? The idea that you don't have to go to hell. The idea that, 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 that God wants something good for you. Because if you're just in love with an idea and not the person, an idea will fail you. Amen? An idea will mess you up. An idea will not hold water. If you're just in love with this moral standard, you will fail at that moral standard. But if you're in love, and you've encountered the man with fire in his eyes, he will change everything. So here's what I want to do. I know we're over time. Quite frankly, I'm not too worried about it. Amen? I want to give you an opportunity. We have a prayer team. If you're in a prayer team, coming up here today. If you want to touch from Jesus today, if you want to encounter Jesus today, I'm going to have you stand. We got to stand up in this place. I'm going to close out with this song. And if you've never encountered the Lord, I'm just going to ask you just to receive. While we sing this, just receive. Receive what God has for you today. God, will you touch lives today? Father, will you speak into ears? God, will you, will your presence come into this place today where there is no doubt in our minds that Jesus is in this place? We want to be able to say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and we feel him all around us. That's what we want to say. 
So God, I'm praying over every heart in this place today that there would be a real, true encounter. If there's anybody in this place, God, who feels like they're just blocked right now, spiritually blocked, Lord, I pray that they can come and receive prayer from the prayer team and that, God, things would be opened up in their hearts. God, things would be broken down. Maybe it's walls that they've set up, God, that they can begin to tear those walls down and that they would encounter you today, Jesus, the man with fire in his eyes. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Let's sing this last song. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.